everyone, welcome to another episode of Unplug with Annie. We're continuing the series of purpose, which I know seems never ending, but we are going to get there. I've had some amazing guests so far, and today I have John Kenny on the show. John Kenny is also known as the Relationship Guy, founder of Interpersonal Relationship Coaching, author of The People Program, speaker and documentary maker. He's been in the field of personal development for over 15 years, having helped thousands of clients completely change their life as well as in the process change his own. He was an international athlete as well, which we're going to be talking a little bit about. And he just has a deep passion to help people find their highest self, their best self, and to really enable their relationships to thrive. Um, He uses a fusion of coaching, counseling, hypnotherapy, and NLP to unlock the things that stop people from achieving and and keep them stuck. So this is going to be a great conversation. This is one of my favorite topics to discuss, so I can't wait to have it. Hi, John. Welcome to Unplug with Annie. Hi, Annie. Thanks for having me on today. Yeah, no, I'm really, I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Uh, first of all, I just wanted to ask you a little bit about your journey so far as a self-development and relationship coach. Um, well, it started about 2004 when um, I trained as a counsellor. And um, then I was uh, seeing clients as a counsellor for a few years. And then I met a coach. And they asked me how I was able to help people with their stuff while my life was still a bit shit. Yeah, so um, it was a good question. And so then I had some coaching and that helped me to not to put everything together that I'd learned about myself, but actually move forward and away from the stuff that wasn't helping me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that kind of turned me on to coaching. And then I trained as a coach uh, back in 2012. And then I took a hypnotherapy diploma and I did an NLP practitioner course over the last few years. And I've kind of fused it all together into the interpersonal relationship coaching style that I've been using since sort of 2016. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, yeah, that's quite a, a, a like a, a great journey with like a combination of lots of different styles of, of, of coaching that you've learned, which is really great as well. Um, I know that you spoke a little bit in, in the introduction that you shared with me about carrying a certain set of limited beliefs um, as a child. Um, mm. If you can talk a little bit about what those beliefs were that you felt you did carry into adult life and how, A, you, you, know, you became aware that this is actually, these beliefs are actually you know, stopping me from getting it aligned or living my best life and also what you did about it when you when you did come to that realization yes good question so um so beliefs are the most powerful thing that we have uh our brain is born in survival mode and the only thing that can stop us wanting to survive or wanting to hurt ourselves kill ourselves is a belief so if we believe that that the world isn't worth living, our life isn't worth living, or we have some kind of religious belief which says it's okay for us to die. Um, and they're immensely powerful and they sit in the background of our heads all the time and they like to be made true. So we're always looking for evidence that these beliefs are real. Um, and my core belief, which led to my limiting beliefs, was I was never going to amount to anything. So I learned as a kid 
with the relationship that I had with um, my parents that my life um, that I wasn't really worth very much and I wasn't allowed to have what I wanted to have and that led me to believe that I was really I wasn't going to amount to anything that led to other kind of different limiting beliefs such as I was unworthy, unlovable, um, and lots of other different things that I carried, which branched off from that core belief. Uh, that was my major core belief anyway. And so that led me to a life of self-sabotage. Every time something was going well in my life, I would either find something that was wrong with it, or I would create something to make sure that I was never able to get to where I wanted to be. Because my belief was, if I'm never going to amount to anything, I was always looking for that to be made true. So I would mess things up uh, or look for things to mess it up in order to never get what I wanted to get. It was only when I really looked at belief work, when I was doing my, actually, when I was training, doing my hypnotherapy diploma, um, and I uncovered what my own core belief was, that it kind of was like a big release, like a big weight came off my shoulders. Um, and then I was able to challenge that and it kind of everything else kind of fell into place once I realized what the belief was I was carrying and I was able to kind of dismiss it when it started to come back and talk to me um, and start to instill some new beliefs about what I wanted from my life, who I was, what I was allowed. And that's completely shifted um, what I let myself have in life. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, it's so interesting that through the process of sometimes coaching and learning, we're able to come to those realizations. And also, I think a lot of people um, have the impression that, you know, you have that one trigger moment and you're able to implement something immediately and, and get a, like dramatic changes overnight. But it's not often the case. No, it was it was dramatic in the in the effect that I realized what my core belief was that was very freeing mm -hmm. but it didn't change my inherent belief about myself so the work that i've done since then uh is what's made all the difference yeah and it definitely takes action um when we're when we're trying to challenge our old belief system but in terms of what, what's become so apparent to me talking to, to guests like yourself and, and doing work in, in coaching and, and you know, reading about psychology and human behavior is um, the fact that the majority of these beliefs obviously start at, at childhood. You know, we develop them at a really young age. Um, mm -hmm. And however, the effects of that we see much later on, um, at least the realization that it's having that much impact in our lives. So in terms of parenting then, because I think then the, the, the focus for me comes like, to that question of how can parents do parenting better? Because I'm quite sure that at least, I, I know from for speaking for my parents that I'm pretty sure they didn't have that kind of awareness at the time that, you know, no, by no. saying this around my child, they're going to kind of pick up on this or by telling my child this. Yeah, um, yeah. so what, what, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, so I guess a parent needs to consider what they want their child to think about themselves and the messages that they need to send to their own kids in order to help them to grow up with a healthy set of beliefs, which can be difficult when a parent is, like you said, unaware or carrying their, really, uh, their own set of unhealthy beliefs too. Mm -hmm. um, 
you know, we, we live our lives in our own little bubble most of the time. Uh, the only world that we really live in is the one inside our own heads. And sometimes it can be really difficult to look outside of that and go, okay, what does this other person need from me um, in order for them to be healthy emotionally, mentally, physically, whatever it might be. So if we're in our own space and dealing with our own stuff, then we will have an impact on the people around us, especially our kids, because our kids are looking to us to go, please tell me that I'm worth something. Please tell me that you love me. Please tell me that I can achieve. Please tell me, you know, they're, they're looking for those messages all the time. Um, and if we don't give them their message or we send them the wrong messages, then they're going to grow up with an unhealthy set of beliefs, which is going to impact on them, like you said, further down the line. Um, because what I have a tendency to do is once you get a set of beliefs as a kid, you then play out those beliefs, even in early teenage years. And as you get into your twenties and stuff, you're, 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 you're reinforcing those. You have a tendency to reinforce those all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so if we can get them right in the first place. Yeah. So if a parent can, uh, can understand the impact that they're having on their child, um, and be able to reflect on that. And think about okay, what do I want my kids to believe about themselves as they grow up? Then um, you you can do a pretty good job of instilling something really positive. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, you're the relationship guy, so com- coming mm. a bit to relationship, um, <laughs> I, you know, it's, it's so interesting because yeah, prior to like building up knowledge about human behaviour and just you know you you talk to your girlfriends and you talk about their experiences and your friends and and a, a lot of the time. What I've observed is also that um, certain friends have attracted the same kind of people in terms of relationships. And uh, a lot of the time, it's kind of even with sort of emotional abusive relationships, you Mm. tend to, I mean, I don't want to generalize completely, but a lot of people come out of one only to attract somebody similar. Um, How do we kind of break these patterns and develop more awareness of? actually jumping into these very similar um yeah these very similar looking relationships obviously the face of the person changes but but there's something deeper going on there yeah much yeah much deeper so i write about this in my book so my book is um help it helps people to understand what their patterns are and how to challenge those patterns so whereas as we as when we're kids we learn how to do relationships so we we have certain relational patterns that we that we carry with us uh, mine was exactly the same. That's what the book's about. The first half of the book is about my life story and how I developed myself as a person and the relational patterns I followed. Um, and the second half helps people to look at this, their own selves and figure out what theirs are. Um, so I was the same. I would have relationships which fitted the patterns of my childhood. So I didn't, well, I didn't feel like I was enough. So if the girls that I would always chase would always make me feel a bit worthless the girls that I could have healthy relationships with, I would always destroy um, because I didn't know how to be with someone who valued me, cared about me and, and had my best interests at heart. And I spent most of, well, up until about seven or eight years ago, I spent my life doing that all the time um, because I didn't trust relationships. I didn't think they were, they would last. I didn't think I could ever get what I wanted from them. I always saw them as something that was going to be quite destructive um, and didn't, like I said, didn't really know how to deal with anything healthy. And it was only when I recognized what I was doing 
that I was able to go, oh, okay, I can see my role in that now. And the energy that I was giving off that I was attract, attracting into my life and also the kind of level of energy that I was attracted to, to fulfill that relational pattern round and round and round all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first relationship I had when I left home was really abusive. Um, the lady I was with, she had lots and lots of issues of her own um, and played them out within our relationship. But because I I wanted to be loved so much, yeah. I had no idea what I was in at that time. And then throughout my life, I've dipped into the occasional difficult, abusive, sometimes quite violent relationships. Um, and then it was only when I realised that I didn't want to do that anymore and I was adamant that I wasn't going to do that anymore, um, that I was able to kind of shift away from, from doing that. But it was, um, the reason I was able to do that is because I understood why I was doing it. Mm. And again, like you said, that came from my childhood and then um, subsequent relationships that I'd had in my teenage years as well. Uh, yeah. And it's, then it's quite difficult until, until you sit, take a step back and go, okay, what type of relationships am I looking for? And also what's your end goal? So as, as a kid, I learned I was always safer on my own. Mm. So I would also, also, one of my, which would play into this kind of relational pattern was I wanted to find someone that I knew eventually it would be over and then I could find my little safe space again, which would be by myself. Yeah, I always felt that kind of massive sense of relief when the relationship was done. Mm. But then a few months later, I'd be out looking for the same type of thing um, because that's how it played out when I was a kid. I'd go to my bedroom, I'd play with my toys, I was very safe. But what I really wanted was a loving, caring, understanding, pleasant relationship with my parents or my brother even, but it just never materialised. Right. Yeah, no, that's so interesting. And, and that you mentioned the word like safe and, you know, finding that safe place because I feel like um because we, we we get drawn to those kind of relationships as well there's like we develop that element of codependency as well um and especially in any kind of abusive relationships mm-hmm. too um and and even not even you know even if it's not abusive i feel like many of us have that tendency because we want love to almost want to be codependent or become that way, even if we were very independent before that relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, how do we kind of strike that balance? Because I know I know it's like a mistake that I was making for the longest time. It's, it's, it's like you get into a relationship and then you just spend all your time with that person and forget about your life, kind of your, your goals take a back seat but mm-hmm. only later to realize that you know you are left a bit unfulfilled and actually realizing later on even personally for me that actually a healthy relationship looks very different you can't you can be independent within that setup mm-hmm. yeah yeah so a good a great relationship is one that complements you and you complement each other so rather than needing to be with each other or completing each other um, you complement each other. So you, like you said, you still have that sense of self, that independence within the relationship, but you also have that coming together, which is very healthy. Um, codependency, as I mentioned, that first relationship I had when I left home was very codependent. I wanted to be loved and she wanted to be proved that people loved her. So she would test and test and test and test all the time. I would keep chasing and chasing and chasing all the time. And then we'd be in love again. So I got what I needed at the end of it, which was some love. She got what she needed, which is proof of 
love mm. and therefore we really destroyed each other um for want of a better phrase um and we need to recognize that, that actually if we feel that we're losing that sense of self because codependency is driven by need it's not driven by what you want you think that you need something and your com the compulsion is there for you to get it from somebody else um so in counseling terms it's kind of known as the external locus of evaluation everything that you evaluate yourself by comes from an external source mm. um, and that is very fleeting and cannot cannot be sustained because if you're always looking for something outside of yourself to make you feel good eventually you, you're not going to find it because even if it's a person especially they can't be the person that makes you feel better about yourself all the time right. uh, but you will keep chasing that and if they're a person that has something around their own issues that they need to maybe uh, kind of show you love in a certain way then again that that dynamic will kick off and you'll have that codependency issue you're looking for them to make you feel significant perhaps they're looking for you to make them feel um, important mm -hmm. uh, or uh, you know on a pedestal then, then you know you're going to keep playing that all the time. But that's based on a need. It's not based on actually who you really are and what you want for yourself. So it's important that you check in and say, okay, why am I chasing this need? And how do I evaluate my value from internally rather than externally? And how do you, how, how in your opinion then, are there some practical steps that we can kind of start doing to... Um, to try and like learn to love ourselves better, I guess, develop more self-love. So we're not seeking external validation because for some people, it's not just relationships, right? It's like just finding that value and validation in your work. And suddenly without your job title, you're completely lost and you don't know, you know, what your purpose is in life. Yeah. 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 I, again, I, I felt like a bit of a fraud all the way through my work stuff, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, you know, that, that, sense of underlying sense of sort of self gets in the way got in the way of a lot of the things that I used to do um, I used to be an athlete as I used to run for Great Britain and I never believed in myself even though I was running really well I would always do something which would then unravel that mm -hmm. um, so it wasn't just my relationships that struggled because it was everything I put my mind to that I was good at um, or could be good at. So the way to kind of address it personally, I would say is to understand yourself, you know, what is your story that's led you to this space right now where you have these specific needs that you're looking for something outside of yourself. What didn't you get as a kid, um, that you could give to yourself? Is there some repair work you need to do with that relationship with your child self perhaps? Um, that you could make right now um, understanding your belief systems so what are you actually saying to yourself what are you trying to fulfill in your belief systems and then what are you at actual language do you use with yourself are you critical do you tell yourself you know i need to do this or this is going to be rubbish and then you self-fulfill those kind of ideas within yourself and then once you've done that you can then start working on the positive stuff you can rebalance that relationship you've got yourself you can start talking to yourself in a more positive way 
acting out in a more positive way so you get the things that you're looking for and then you start to value yourself a bit more okay well i'm worth doing that for you know i can see the great results i can see how that makes me feel i want some more of that because that's that's going to make me feel great and then we can start to come outside take the outside away and say okay what do i really feel about me? what do i really want for myself um how do i feel about myself changing all those beliefs and you can start to live a completely different life yeah and attract completely different relationships yeah yeah very true and again something that it didn't happen overnight does it it's constant constant practice yeah um yeah another thing obviously like there's a lot of conversations around boundaries and i know like a lot of people are sick and tired of that word but um i i mean for me I, it was just profound learning about boundaries because i just felt like you know what is this thing which i, d I didn't know about you know that yeah that actually I have the right to implement in my life. Um, mm. I think a lot of people struggle with boundaries specifically when it comes to family though, um, yeah. and understanding that, you know, we don't have to um, retain certain connections just for the sake of that, that tag and, and being, being part of a family if those connections are not good for us. Mm -hmm. um, and so how do we, in terms of implementing boundaries then, how can we do it in a way which is also um, respectful to another person, but um, definitely, I suppose, honouring honoring ourselves better? Um, because I think a lot of people just think that, that by, you know, kind of shouting and screaming at each other and just getting our point across, yeah. which, which never kind of works, you know, you find yeah. yourself in the same cycle. So how do we kind of implement our boundaries in a healthy way? I think it's recognizing who you can put some things into place with. So ideally, what we want to do is to be ourselves and for the person that we're around to treat us in a way which is going to help us to maintain a positive sense of self. That won't always happen, especially like you said, if it's family. Um, most people in our lives we can just walk away from if we don't want to be around them anymore. Um, but what we need to try and do is put ourselves into a space where this is what I am, this is who I am, this is what I want. Can this person offer me that? And if they can, great, they'll move across towards you. And even though you're not, you're not manipulating them into change, but you're sort of testing to see if they can change to be around the person that you want to be. So if you've always played a certain role with certain people, they will get slightly uncomfortable or very uncomfortable with the fact that you're now trying to change yourself. Mm -hmm. um, they'll either come with you or they'll fight against you. They'll want you to be back to the person that you were because it suits them better. That's your boundary there. How do I want to be? Will people come across to who that is? And if not, how do I manage that? Now, some people won't shift at all. If they're family and you still want something to do with them, mm. then the best thing you could do then is to create an environment for yourself, which you're happy with. So when you go and see that person, you spend some time with that person, you know exactly how they're going to be. You've worked on the triggers which might have set you off in the past, which would upset you, uh, make you feel something negative. Mm -hmm. And then you can say, I'm not going to feel like that anymore. I know who this person is. 
I don't want to cut them out of my life, but I also don't want to be affected by the way that they are any longer. I will spend time with them and I will be in this space. Now that works because then there's no friction. If I'm happy to do that, then I'll manage it very well and I can leave that relationship next and then I walk away and I can go back to being who I want to be. But that hasn't impacted on my life. If it still impacts on me, then it's unlikely that I'm able to kind of powerfully enough change the way I am with them. Maybe I need to do a little bit more work on myself or maybe it's time to sort of let that person go from your life if they really are causing you far too much hurt um, and they're never going to shift and sometimes they'll fight back so hard that it gets worse um, yeah. because again they really want you to be the person that they want you to be mm -hmm. um, so it's about you kind of saying this is okay for me if it's not okay for me then I don't want to be here uh, and that's the boundaries I would say are the most important ones to set. Because like you said, you can shout at someone till you're blue in the face. If they don't get it, they don't get it. If they're not going to change, they're not going to change. It's just a waste of your energy for you to keep trying. Yeah, yeah. It's like, it, it's kind of like communication is obviously important, but then actually comprehension is a completely different thing, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. How, how has the experience been for you uh, during the whole, the whole pandemic? Is there anything personally that you have um, experienced, any kind of profound moments that you've had or realizations or important lessons which have, have come out of this? This, this whole situation for you personally or anything that you've personally really struggled with and found difficult uh to be honest with you my, my i've been very lucky my life's been pretty much the same apart from not being ready to go out anywhere <laughs> um which does make a difference and i am quite a people person so i do like com contact with people i do like to be around people but um i also like my own space so it hasn't been too difficult and because of the work that I do, I've been able to speak to my clients online, but I've also been going into my office as well um, and seeing people in there that needed to talk. So uh, it's not been hugely different for me. Um, it's been very interesting how some of the clients have, have reacted. Some of them have been very uh, anxious and found it a real struggle. And mm -hmm. some of them have found it a breath of fresh air. Um, and hate and I've been able to reevaluate their priorities and spend more time with their family. Some people have really struggled spending more time with the people that, that cause them problems. Yeah. Um, and I found it really difficult. So everybody, you know, there's been a real mixture, but, um, um, I think it's just understanding for myself is focusing on what you can do. So that's what I've been trying to do the whole time is that rather than taking all this negativity on and everything saying, you can't do this, you can't do that. This is really difficult. That's really difficult. I say, okay, what can I do? What is possible? And I've been trying to really focus, which again, hasn't been much of a change because of the, obviously the lot of the work that I've done on myself and the coaching and stuff that I do is very kind of, okay, well, I can't do anything about that. So let me focus on something I can do something about. And it's been really important the last few months to focus on that. Okay, this is out of my control, but what is in my control? What can I do? And I've been trying to really focus more on, on that to keep me ticking over. So I've started exercising again. I've kind of wavered with the exercising. I got back into an exercise routine. So every morning now I try and do some type of exercise. Mm 
Yeah. Um, and I've got myself into that routine over the summer. So when things kind of start to build back up again and things get a bit busier and there's more places to go, I intend to keep that going as well. Yeah, yeah. Considering you were an athlete before then, you know, before before this coaching journey, do you feel like, was there a moment for you where you just felt like, oh, no, actually, you know, my, my purpose is different. I'm not supposed to do this. Um, and, and do you think in terms of purpose, and because that's what this series is kind of about, do you feel like our purpose changes? Or do you feel like it's not actually connected to to our specific job title the purpose stays the same but we just we just kind of change and evolve yeah i think there's um i I never had a purpose at all i was very purposeless Mm. Um, so athletics i stumbled across by luck i was really good at it um it wasn't my purpose um, probably because I didn't believe in myself. If I'd have believed in myself a bit more, then I could have made it more purposeful. Mm-hmm. Um, my work is my purpose now because there's nothing better than the guy the goosebump tingly moments you get when someone goes, I get that now. I really understand <laughs> that. And I'm going to do this. And they go off and they put things into place which helps them to change their life. There's nothing better. Yeah. But I think there's purpose in every aspect of your life. Um, it's what fits with you. So again, one of the people things that I do is work on values and principles. You know, we carry a lot of values and principles and stuff again from our childhood, which might not necessarily be ours. We hear that voice in our head and we go, I don't think like that. Where's that come from? Um, and then kind of that's the stuff we're carrying from the past. Um, so, you know, to align with your values and principles, I think helps with you finding your purpose. Yeah. Uh, but it's what is, you know, is for us to feel purposeful i think there is maybe one thing you could focus on but i think there's lots of little things that make you make you feel like you're serving a purpose so even just looking after my cat makes me feel purposeful because she wouldn't have a a nice life and stuff if i didn't look after her properly um to 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 what i do with my clients and helping them to change their lives you know it's there's lots of different things to you don't because if you get stuck with one purpose, then you're, you're kind of closing a few doors True. as well. And if, again, it's that external thing. If I'm just putting everything into one basket, yeah. then if that doesn't work out, I could struggle until I then look for something else. But my purpose came, evolved over time. Right, right. You know, I went from learning about the counselling to becoming a counsellor, then learning about the coaching to becoming a coach and it's evolved since 2004 and I'm sure it will continue to evolve um, as I learn new things and live different experiences in my own life. Yeah yeah that's it I think um, yeah no I have to agree with you I think it does constantly evolve based on our experiences and our learning so that that's really great and um, yeah I mean I was I was going to ask you about what the most fulfilling thing is but I think I think you've answered it in the sense that you know actually seeing people that you you work with getting impacted by by the work they're doing with you I think that's really really rewarding so that's great and about the book then where is the book available for people who want to read it um yeah where can they find that yes yeah, so that's on Amazon and Waterstones on it's on everywhere online you can get hold of a copy Mm-hmm. um it's on kindle if you wanted to if you prefer to read it on, on a kindle 
Um, so just go to Amazon and just put in John Kenny. Um, it's actually called the People Program. So that's what it looks like. Okay. Um, but if you actually put the uh, anagram in, it doesn't come up. So uh, if you just put... <laughs> Okay, brilliant. Well, it was great chatting to you, um, John, for this for this series. Thank you so much for taking your time out and, and chatting with me. No, absolutely. My pleasure. Thank you for uh, having me on the show. Great. Well, I, I look forward to seeing what else is in store and what, what else, um, you know, what, what comes next on your journey. Thank you very much. And I'll be keeping an eye on your podcast uh, <laughs> and your other episodes too. Thank you. Well, that was the end of another episode on Unplug with Annie. I hope you tune in next week when I talk to another exceptional guest. As usual, every Sunday, we're continuing the series of Purpose and I hope it thoroughly, thoroughly speaks to you. It affects you. I hope you're inspired to share the message with someone and I hope that you have already subscribed to the podcast. If not, please go to www.unplugannie.com and you can find all the podcast links as well as other links and articles which may be of interest to you. You can also subscribe and receive the weekly email newsletter to your inbox and be part of the family in a more active way. Until next week.